Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OrthoBullets podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of scapulothoracic crepitus found under the shoulder and elbow section at orthobullets.com. Let's begin with a quick summary. Scapulothoracic crepitus, or snapping scapula syndrome, manifests as pain at the scapulothoracic junction with overhead activity. Diagnosis is made clinically with painful crepitus of the scapulothoracic joint with forward flexion and improvement of pain with stabilization of the scapula. Treatment is mainly non-operative with NSAIDs, scapular strengthening exercises, postural training, and activity modifications. Now let's get into the episode. In terms of the pathophysiology, there may be predisposing abnormal anatomy. This includes the fact that 6% of scapula have some superomedial hooking. There may also be a malunion of a scapula or rib fracture, or a history of resection of a first rib for thoracic outlet syndrome. Other pathophysiology includes overuse with normal anatomy, inflammation from overuse which results in chronic inflammation causing bursal fibrosis, bursitis, and snapping, and bony or soft tissue masses such as an osteochondroma, elastofibroma dorsi which is a benign soft tissue tumor, and scapular chondrosarcoma. Conditions that are associated include scoliosis and kyphosis as well as scapulothoracic dyskinesis. Now let's review some anatomy. In terms of the osteology, Remember that the scapula spans ribs 2 through 7. It has three borders, which are superior, lateral, and medial, and three angles, which are superomedial, inferomedial, and lateral, and there is no direct bony articulation and no true synovial articulation. Muscles that attach include the trapezius, serratus anterior, subscapularis, levator scapulae, rhomboids, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, teres major, long head of the triceps brachii, biceps brachii, corcobrachialis, the deltoid, the pectoralis minor, a small slip of the latissimus dorsi, and the omohyoid. Ligaments include the transverse scapular ligament, which separates the suprascapular artery from the suprascapular nerve, which runs below the ligament in the suprascapular notch. Blood supply includes the dorsal scapular artery, which runs deep to the rhomboids in the levator scapulae, about 1-2 to centimeters medial to the scapula. Important bursa to remember include anatomic ones such as the infraserratus and supraserratus, and adventitial or pathologic bursa as well, which may occur near the superior or inferior angles and are inconsistently identified. Moving on to the presentation, a patient's history may range from mild discomfort to significant disability, and there may be trauma and overuse which have both been reported. Symptoms may include that the patient complains of a popping scapula, painful crepitus with elevation of the arm, or pain that is relieved with stabilization of the scapula. On exam, one may note a fixed or postural kyphosis that may be present, tenderness or fullness of the symptomatic bursa, passive scapulothoracic motion by the examiner may also reproduce the crepitus, and scapulothoracic dyskinesis may be present. So one should evaluate for winging and test of muscle strength, in particular the trapezius, serratus, rhomboids, levator, and latissimus. In terms of imaging, Recommended radiographs include an AP and lateral as well as an axillary view. Findings may include osseous abnormalities. A CT scan is indicated when there are osseous lesions identified on plain radiographs. An MRI is indicated to evaluate for soft tissue masses or inflamed bursa. In terms of other studies, diagnostic injections may be used. Remember that selective injection of local anesthetic or corticosteroid to the point of maximal tenderness can be diagnostic and therapeutic. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about cervical pathology, 
This can be referred to the shoulder girdle. In terms of treatment, non-operative options include NSAIDs, scapular strengthening exercises, postural training, and activity modification. This is indicated as first line of treatment and when there is no mass or aggressive lesion. Another option is a local corticosteroid injection. This is indicated as second line of treatment. Operative options include bursectomy, which may be done open or arthroscopically, resection of an osseous lesion, or resection of a scapular border. This is indicated in cases refractory to non-operative treatment. In terms of the outcomes, there may be improvement in symptoms reported with both open and arthroscopic procedures. There are better results in patients who responded well to injections, incomplete resolution of symptoms commonly occurs despite improvement, and better results are noted with the addition of a partial scapulectomy versus a bursectomy alone. Now let's discuss the techniques for these procedures in more detail. For an open procedure, the position is prone with the extremity draped free. The approach may include a vertical incision over the medial border of the scapula centered on the symptomatic bursa. The trapezius is split in line with the fibers, and the rhomboids and levator are elevated superiostally. The technique involves excising the bursa, the angle of the scapula may also be excised, and the detached muscles are repaired through drill holes. For postoperative care, the patient should be in a sling immediately post-op, and one must protect the repaired muscle attachments, so they should be immobilized for four weeks, active motion should start at eight weeks, and strengthening should start at 12 weeks. Pros for this procedure include that it allows for a wide exposure, but its main con is that it is a morbid procedure. For the arthroscopic procedure, the position is prone with an extremity draped free, the arm is in maximum internal rotation with the hand over the lumbar spine. In terms of the approach, porters are placed 3 cm medial to the medial border of the scapula, which avoids the dorsal scapular nerve and vessels, and below the scapular spine, which avoids the spinal accessory nerve. The superior urbellus portal is at the junction of the medial one-third and lateral two-thirds of the superior border of the scapula and a trocar is placed as parallel to the chest wall as possible. In terms of the technique, one may skeletonize the superomedial angle with cautery, then resect the superomedial angle if desired using a burr, and one can place a spinal needle at the superior scapular border to mark the lateral limit of resection. In terms of postoperative care, a sling should be used immediately post-op and it should be used for comfort for one week. Active motion and strengthening is then based on tolerance. Pros of this procedure include that there are no muscle detachment, and cons include that it is technically demanding. And lastly, complications related to these procedures include neurovascular injury, such as injury to the suprascapular nerve and vessels, dorsal scapular nerve and vessels, and spinal accessory nerve. There may also be chest wall penetration, which may result in a pneumothorax. That's all for this review about scapulothoracic crepitus. We hope that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast a daily audio review session from OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on orthobullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the OrthoBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the OrthoBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.